CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It is a Friday with a big market sell-off. It is time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, along with Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and Tony Zhang. The market's dropping sharply today. All the major averages falling more than 2.5%, with the Dow posting its worst day since October of 2020. The S&P and the NASDAQ both closed out a third week in a row of losses across all listed options in the U.S. Put volume exceeded call volume. And, Mike, you noted that this has only occurred six times in the past two years. What do you think this means? Yeah, I mean, I think we need to take a look at that. And I think we need to take a look at some other things in the options markets, too. So the first thing I would say is that obviously there is a a tremendous amount of concern right now. A lot of the unusual put volume we saw was not retail traders going out and, you know, buying puts on the stocks that they hold. We saw, you know, well above average activity in things like the SPX index. And that's largely an institutional product. We saw well over one and a half million puts uh, trade in that one today, normally about a million. And that is uh, a big instrument. We're talking about $430,000 per contract when we're thinking about SPX. The other thing I was looking at, though, uh, and really when we see a day like today, our biggest question is, what are we looking forward to or not looking forward to, I think is probably what we're, we're really concerned about as we go into the weekend. January 21st, we had that same dynamic. Big above average volumes puts out trading calls much like they did today. And sometimes we see that and we think that's a contrary indicator. When you start to see the VIX really spike and you start to see puts significantly out trading calls, it might be actually time to assume that we actually could start to see something happen and we could be bottoming out. But the problem I have with that is that when I look at the VIX, it didn't behave the same way that it did in January. It is up sharply, but it may not be up sharply enough. What we're looking at here was the term structure of VIX futures versus spot last week. The blue line is where it is now. But actually, when you really get a washout, it's not going to be trading in the high 20s. It's going to get into the 30s. You're going to see that thing completely invert. And it hasn't done that. And that's got me a little worried. Yeah. Tony, what did you make of the action today? Yeah, that's exactly right. It certainly is concerning. You know, the market had an opportunity this week to make a a low, if you will, and continue to on to a new rally uh, to new highs. However, we didn't see that. Yesterday's price action between uh, after Powell effectively confirmed that there could be a 50 basis point hike, the market sold off heavily on the back of that, which largely we were already expecting as far as that uh, type of move from, from the Fed. The fact that we sold off so heavily yesterday, we see that follow through today on such heavy volume, that really leads me to believe that we are headed further down. Uh, you know, And it aligns with all of the other indicators that we're currently looking at with respect to inflation and concerns around future inflation here uh, going forward. Carter, what's your charting work telling you at this point? Well, I mean, one way to consider this market is to say, well, we're still above where we were on the lows 
uh, two months ago, meaning there's a structure. We have that plunge low of Jan 24, and then we have the Feb 24 low, and then here's the problem. We have the massive rally, which draws in a lot of capital, a lot of hope, and now since that rally is being unwound, the very capital or money that pushed the market higher on the rebound has to reverse itself. Not to mention people who've never sold in the first place who are starting to get concerned. So look at this a chart of the S&P, which you see here. This is the, the point is, when we have a bounce like that, 15, 16, 18% in certain aggregates, and now we reapproach that low, now the lows have more and more authority, and ultimately you break below those lows. It's, it's a very bad setup. All right. So all this being said, next week is a huge week for big cap tech earnings. So, Carter, how are we setting up ahead of that? Right. Well, one of the things we know, uh, if you look at the history on weeks where the five largest stocks, uh, Apple, Microsoft, Google, and so forth, report on the same week, almost every time it's been a bad week. There are a few exceptions, but generally down. And so we have that this coming week. You've got Apple reporting, of course, Microsoft, Google, and the charts are not good. Uh, let's look at a few charts and try to uh, figure it out together. So. The first here is the same lines that you've seen that have been drawn, annotations by me and many others, meaning you can draw the lines you want, but we have the double top in the NASDAQ 100. We have all the makings of a big uptrend that's reversed, a bullish to bearish reversal, and we have a head and shoulders of sorts. Look at the next. Now, this is a, a weekly, right? And, oh, sorry, this is a daily again. The key is, do we break now below those lows of just one month ago. And again, the problem is to bounce so vigorously, that means money was pushed into the market, hope is live, and now that money in principle is reversing, not to mention all the money that never took measures in the first place. So the longer term charts are also important. Take a look at what's up next. This is one way to draw the lines. It's a longer term chart and where we might be headed, but I think we've got at least a minimum of 3% downside up to as much as 10. And you can see that on the very long term charts, which is uh, next on the screen. And, and if we were to do a 50% retracement, and that's perfectly reasonable, um, you're, you're looking at another 9, 10% from here. Uh, it's not a good setup. Wow. So, Mike, what's the trade? Uh, well, the trade takes a look uh, at two things. One, uh, timing. And that is that, you know, we're in the throes of it right now. Uh, this isn't a question about what's going to happen in the next quarter. Uh, next summer, next fall. We're talking about what's going to happen next week or the next couple of weeks. And so we don't have to go that far out in time. The second thing is, Carter point out, pointed out some pretty specific levels. I think you can just go to the June 30th uh, month ending QQQ 310 290 put spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, and it might have probably been a little bit more expensive by the close since we closed on the dead lows. Uh, that was about four and a half bucks. You were going to spend about ten and a half dollars to buy the June 30th 310 puts, collect about six on the 290s. And that's specifically targeting those two levels that he just put into the charts right there. Something else I would point out is that, you know, in circumstances like this, we do have premiums elevated, but they're not as elevated, uh, frankly, as I think they, they might be. Uh, I actually think they should be higher. Uh, you know, the, the opportunity to buy a put spread at this point with everything that we've seen uh, for less than a quarter of the distance between the strikes, which is what this one would cost you, uh, it, it seems quite cheap to me. So you want to buy the insurance now, Tony. What do you make of the structure of this trade? 
Yeah, so the structure is exactly the structure that you want to use in a market like this, especially when we are already pushing fairly relative lows here. You know, right now, short-term targets here is around 317 to the downside. Our models are showing long-term targets down to 286, which aligns uh, just almost right to the same level that Carter is referring to. The 290 level that Carter is referring to is the 50% retracement level. As he said, that's a very reasonable and average pullback. Many times we see pullbacks that are more severe. Perhaps 62% is sometimes also a common pullback area, which really puts us at significant further downside. But as Mike said, it's really surprising that right now we're able to buy this $20 wide put spread for less than a quarter of the distance between the two strikes. And he's risking less, uh, just a little over 1% of the value of Qs in order to put on this hedge. So whether you're using this as a hedge against a portfolio of stocks or you're simply using this as a speculative bearish position going into the markets, this is the trade structure that I would use. So the real question here is, is risk, right? Are, is there after essentially, we know the NASDAQ uh, the, is, is the leading edge, right? It's the best performing index of all. It's been up 13 years in a row. It's where all the growth is. And now it's the one that's most under pressure. Uh, it, it's a problem and the, the risks outweigh the reward. Okay, so now let's focus on uh, one of the biggest of the big names reporting next week. Amazon set to deliver results on Thursday. The e-commerce giant has had a wild year so far, now down nearly 14%. But if you think this stock is primed for a comeback, Tony says you may need to wait a little bit longer. Tony, what do you mean? Yeah, if you look at the if you look at Amazon stock that's reporting earnings next week, I unfortunately think that that there's potentially some downside risk going into that event. Um, so if we take a look at a few charts here, the first chart I want to take a look at is Amazon relative to the broader markets. And what you see is a large underperformance of this particular stock since uh, the begin uh, since last year of this particular time. And the and, the and the question is whether or not the earnings catalyst is going to be what what reverses this downtrend or underperformance of this stock relative to the market. And if you look at the fundamentals. This is really where I don't see a strong case for why Amazon is now, in this particular quarter, going to turn things around relative to the market. And if you look at the chart here for Amazon relative to its sector as well, the consumer discretionary sector, you have largely the exact same chart. Uh, underperformance relative to the sector, and I simply think that this is going to continue. And then if you look at the chart of Amazon itself, this is a chart that Carter has spoken to quite a bit over the past few quarters. You have a stock that has outperformed the broader markets for a vast amount of time before over the past two years, really going absolutely nowhere from an absolute basis. But the most important thing for me is really those relative charts, the underperformance relative to the market and its sector is telling for where it's going to trade. And the fact that we're trading near the bottom end of the range, and I think that necess I don't necessarily think that this quarter will have a bad result, but I think that if you look towards guidance towards the uh, to the rest of the year, that's really the big risk that drives potentially the catalyst of Amazon breaking lower below this particular trading range. And if you look at the options market right now, it's implying a pretty sizable move, about 7.1% versus the average over the past eight quarters of about 5.3%. And the challenge here with Amazon is always the price of the underlying stock and how to find an option structure that isn't too particularly expensive. So in this particular trade, I'm going out to the May expiration and I'm choosing the 280, uh, 2885, 2855 put version vertical here, spending about $11.80 
for this vertical spread. Now, I was looking at this spread earlier today, and Amazon was trading about 40 bucks higher at the time when I put on this, when I looked at this spread. So if you were putting this on on Monday morning, you might want to adjust the strike prices roughly $40 lower in order to find a spread that's priced around the same $11.80. And by using a spread like this, where the two strikes are relatively close together from a percentage basis, this is a $30 wide debit spread, which is traditionally quite wide, but on a percentage basis for Amazon, what it really acts as is really more of a binary option. It kind of is a binary outcome, either if the stock is above 28.85, I'm losing about $1,100, close to $1,200, but if the stock is below 28.55, I'm looking at about an $1,800 profit. So a, a positive risk to reward looking for a downside move for Amazon going into earnings. All right, well, speaking of Amazon, Mike, just last month you laid out an Amazon trade that's set to expire next week. How do you manage that one now? Uh, it's already been managed. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I sent out a tweet today. It was trading uh, still over 2,900 bucks a share at the time. And I said, uh, you know, discretion is the better part of valor here. Uh, We've got earnings coming up. The market looks terrible. And we were pretty much spot in the middle of that short iron condor. And so the smart thing to do was to take profits, even though options expire most rapidly just as expiration approaches. So normally, in that situation, you might have been inclined to carry it. But I think taking some profits, even if they're more modest than we might have otherwise hoped at this point, was the right move. Be sure to follow us on Twitter if you want those kinds of updates, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Carter, what's your take on Amazon here? Well, it's charts like Amazon that make the chart of the S&P. You have a, a, an incredible ricochet, in this case, almost 30%, and now it's reapproaching the low from which the ricochet took place. The implied move that Tony referred to would take you exactly to the March 8th low of 26.71, and that would be uh, a place to consider um, the biggest subject is, does it break that low, in which case it's free to fall, free to collapse. Wow. All right, we're going to take a break here for everything Options Action. Check out our website and our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. When big transitions grip the market, it's often the small caps that show the first signs of change. Professor Coe shows you how to prepare with a play on the Russell 2000. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. As much as we focus on macro market issues, those issues often first manifest, manifest themselves in smaller stocks. And if you think this week's volatility is over with today's flush, the Russell 2000 would indicate otherwise. Professor Coe, why is that? How do we hedge against it? Yeah, so first of all, we all know what the fundamental story that's going on here, rising rates, rising inflation, weakening economy that's terrible for large cap stocks. It's even worse for small cap stocks. Small cap stocks tend to have weaker liquidity positions, their credit is not as good. These types of things pressure them significantly more. The other thing is, it's already down considerably. And I'm not gonna say this is a hedge, we're talking about a trade now. A Couple of reasons for that. One, it's already down 20%. Two, most people are heavily in large cap stocks. 
But the thing is, this thing is moving around. And so it does offer an opportunity to trade. And we have to actually take a look at the technicals to do that. What we care about is what direction are we going in from here? Uh, when or why is that going to happen? And how far are we expecting it to move? It is moving right now, so I think we can expect it to move. And we probably should get a setup from Carter to figure out exactly how far uh, and how fast we should be betting on right now. All right, so, so Carter, what level should we be uh, looking at? Right. There are, there are always key levels, but I think the thing to note is the sequencing. It's exactly the same. The real low so far was Feb 24. We have the big ricochet, and the dastardly part is now we're reapproaching that low. That's typically when you undercut. Let's look at some charts. So these are weekly charts of the IWM, and what you're going to see here is basically the first one, no drawings, no annotations, no judgments. Now let's put in the moving average. Here is the 150-day moving average on the second, and it has all the look and feel of a rolling over formation, what I would call a bullish to bearish reversal, topping out, it doesn't matter, and you see the arrow drawn. Now where might it go? Well, look at the next one, 50% retracement. That's another 10% from here. That's perfectly reasonable. And then finally, relative performance. The final chart is simply a ratio chart. It's the performance of the Russell 2000 versus the S&P 500, or IWM versus SPY. Small caps have been underperforming since 2013. Um, what's to change that? And then finally, just as a, a, a fact, we know that the weighting in financials is some 16, 17% versus only 10 or 11 in the S&P. Uh, that's an issue in and of itself. All right, so um, we've got Carter's input. Mike, what's a trade? Yeah, so we're going to look out to July here. Now, we are going to spend more on a relative basis for options and small cap stocks because they are more volatile. We've seen that, and we're going to continue to see it. I was looking at the July 190, 165 put spread. When I was looking at that earlier today, that $25 wide put spread could be yours for a little over $6. As you can see, that's a bigger percentage of the current level of IWM than the put spread that we were putting on in the queues. But this is a thing that can really move. It has been moving. It will continue to. And frankly, right now, I see little reason for a bounce anytime soon. Okay, so Tony, what's your take on this? Yeah, so you have effectively the exact same uh, setup as the other major indices. Carter was referring to before that the Nasdaq 100 right now looks like the weakest of the four major indices. I argue that IWM potentially, as of today's close, looks even weaker. Uh, our models currently show a downside target of around uh, two, uh, 270, uh, 170, which is the same as Carter's level here. And historically, a yield curve inversion is a bearish here for small caps. But the one thing that I do think is a little different this time is really if you look at the valuations of the Russell 2000. Right now, it trades at a fairly substantial discount on both a trailing and forward PE basis uh, relative to its own history. But also, if you look at valuations on those same measurements relative to small caps, it's trading at even a steeper discount. So I do think that perhaps small caps could be a little bit cushioned here to the downside from value investors. But I think that the trade structure that Mike is using is exactly what you want to use when, uh, as he said, we're down 20% already. We're effectively selling lows, hoping that the market goes even lower. And you want to protect your risk in that particular example. And he's risking just about 3% of the ETF's value to trade a debit structure, uh, a debit uh, put structure like this. And he's targeting that one, uh, 170 level, which is from a technical perspective where I would target. So I like the trade structure. I do have some concerns from a valuations perspective. All right. Up next, we're streaming right into some tweets on Netflix and that stock's wild week. Options Action is back in two. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Let's get to a tweet. Daniel asks, can you give me your thoughts on a put credit spread for Netflix? Mike, what do you tell Daniel? I like this, Daniel, actually. Uh, This is one of the few things that didn't close on the lows today. And we actually highlighted some people coming in and starting to sell some puts on this. Institutional sellers of the May 175s yesterday. In fact, I was actually trying to do that myself today. Carter, you made a bold call yesterday on Netflix. Yeah, I'm feeling quite good about it, actually. I mean, everything's down today, but Netflix down 1.2%. Versus the QQQ down 2.6, the Russell 3000 down 2.7, down half as much as other key indices and aggregates. And the point of that relative chart last night was it's overdone. And I think that's the right thing to do. Sell a credit spread or put spread here. Tony, where do you stand on Netflix? Yeah, so you have the right trade structure given the fact that you've elevated implied volatility. You are mitigating your risk by using a put credit spread. What I do question is the price. Mike was referring to the 175 puts. That's a pretty far away from where we currently trade. So I think that it's the right structure, but I wait a little bit or use put spreads that are relatively far out of the money. All right, coming up, more of your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to OA. Time for some more tweets. Our next fan asks thoughts on Microsoft's acquisition of Activision. I've got August 85 calls that's down currently. Tony, what do you say? Yeah, so you want call options for the asymmetrical risk. So what you want to do, in my opinion, is to hold on to this because you have the option of buying the stock at 85 if the deal goes through and then sell it at 95. And if it doesn't work out, you have limited risk to the downside. Hopefully you've defined your risk. You have plenty of time. I would stick with this trade. Our next viewer asks, what do you do with HCA after today? So bad it's good (laughs) or a falling knife? Carter, we got to go to you on that. Yeah, I think we're going to go with the former. So bad it's good. You're talking about a very steady business that, uh, well, the guidance was a little light, if you will, revenue and earnings. But the point is, it's down some 30%. At this point, I'd be contrarian, a little bit like Netflix, and step in and call it so bad it's good. All right. It is time now for the final call. Carter, back over to you for that. Kick us off. Sure. Q's, which is where all the action is, to have more downside. Be careful. Tony Zhang. Risks to the Amazon earnings announcement next week, buying a put vertical spread. Mike Coe. Yeah, put vertical spreads in Amazon queues. IWM suits you well, but there are some that are indeed so bad that they are good. Netflix and HCA stand out to me as well. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.